Thank you for listening to the Family Worship Center Beaumont podcast. This week is the final week of Pastor Philip's series, Together We Can Make a Difference. Pastor spoke about Jesus' only unanswered prayer that we as the body of Christ would become one. We hope you enjoy Together We Can Make a Difference in God's Dream. John chapter 17, and as I stated last week, this, in my opinion, from reading the word, is the only unanswered prayer that Jesus ever prayed. And it doesn't mean that it can't be answered, but thus far, seemingly, has not been answered. So he's, he's with his disciples, and he's praying for them. And then in the midst of that prayer, he's praying to the Father, and he says, I'm not praying only for these disciples, these that were right there with him, but also for all those who will ever believe in me through their message. Who does that include? Us. Amen. Because we believe because they had a message, because they weren't ashamed of it, because they were willing to give their lives for it. We heard the message of Jesus Christ. And so he's praying for us in his prayer for his disciples that were there with him. And verse 22. And I have given them the glory as you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Okay? That's, that's, that's good stuff there. But his, his prayer was, let them be one. As I talked about last Sunday, uh, prior to the 1992 Olympics, our basketball team was always subpar because it was this little bitty rule, not in the World Olympic Committee, but in the U.S. Olympic Committee that kept any professional athlete from participating. It had to be an amateur. And so what happened was all the other countries used their professional basketball players. Our country did not because of that one rule. Well, just prior to the 92 Olympics, they changed that rule and said, hey, if the rest of the world's going to do it that way, we'll do it that way. And basically what happened was that year in the Olympics, there was a dream team that was put together. Michael Jordan, uh, Larry Bird, somebody named some of the others that were on that. Magic Johnson. I mean, this was a dream team. Their average win during the whole entire Olympic Games was by 44 points per game. So a whole lot of these other teams and a whole lot of these other countries, their players were showing up just so they could get autographs. They knew they were going to get beat. But, but this was a dream team. And it was just a technicality, a little bitty thing that got in the way of this dream team being put together prior to that. And I thought about it, and I thought, how many times do we in church world allow the technicalities to keep us from working together? Because some, some church has a certain, certain name over the door, or that they believe some little something different than us, and we let the dream team not be, not be formed because of little bitty issues. Because of egos, because of denominationalism, because of doctrines that are, that are tearing the, the church world apart, basically. As I said last week, there have been tons and tons of churches that have split 
parted ways, won't have fellowship with one another simply over whether we baptize by immersion or by sprinkling or by pouring. Hello. How on earth could we let those little things in? And see, that's where the devil gets involved. He will make some little bitty minute detail seem so big. How many times have you ever got crossways with somebody over something very, very small, but all of a sudden it seems so huge? Because the devil comes in and puts a magnifying glass in front of your eyes and seemingly it's huge now. And it's this little bitty thing. Again, on that issue, I believe immersion is the way we baptize here. I think it is the best representation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But baptism is an outward sign of an inward work. It is us proclaiming to the world, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. It's not about the method. It's about the heart. And I, you know, I've said it many, many times. If you have a heartfelt reason, a heartfelt desire, I don't want to be immersed. I'd rather be baptized. We will go out here to the water fountain. I'll splash some water. We'll take care of it. We'll gather everybody around. We'll make that public profession of your faith. And that's what it's all about. Amen? Because see, if it was about the baptism saving, Jesus would have never needed to come. John the Baptist was in the wilderness baptizing before Jesus ever came into his ministry. We get hung up on the little things. Hung up on the things that differentiate us instead of celebrating the, the unity that we can have in Christ. Somebody say amen. So, as I said last week, if a housewife can have a dream house, if a businessman can have a dream job, if, if an athlete can go, have a dream to go for the gold then why can't God have a dream that his church would be one? Amen? And as we've talked through the last several weeks now, I don't even know how many weeks, we had a couple of times when we were doing some things different, but at least six, six or seven weeks, we've talked about that together we can make a difference. Sometimes we look at the, at the goal. Sometimes we look at our world and we say, well, what difference could we make? And here's the thing, we cannot alone, but if we will work together, work together as a body of Christ, and this body of Christ work with another body of Christ until the whole church is unified, not that we give up our identity, not that we go for some pablum gospel. Let's keep our differences. Let's keep the things that make us unique. But why can't we share with one another in the body of Christ, amen, celebrate the things where we're unified, don't, don't take time to argue about the things that divide us, and let's do something for the kingdom in these last days. Somebody say amen. So the thing that it takes is it takes dream work, teamwork to make the dream work. Amen? God's got that dream for that, for that dream church, that, that church that's unified, one that's going to work together. And so the thing that that I want to, and, and kind of closing out this series that I've been working on since the first of the year, is just kind of put the crescendo on the end of it, that together we make a difference. If we minister together as a team, and team is T-E-A-M, together everyone accomplishes much. By yourself, you can't do it alone. Nobody can. But together, we can make such a difference. We can accomplish things that we couldn't by ourselves. And folks, we've got to get that as our vision. 
We've got to get that as a goal. That we work together in all things. Yes, you may not be 100% for everything that happens. Amen? As I, as I have shared with you many, many times, this is a buffet. Okay? You won't agree with every message I ever preach, probably. Okay? There's going to be some little detail that you're going to be able to say, I don't know if I believe it that way, preacher. That's fine. Amen? But don't, like, as I said before, if you walk into a buffet and, and, and how many of you like fried chicken? Woo, that's the lesser of the bunch. How about chicken fried steak? Oh, yeah, it's Texas. <laughs> With that cream gravy on the top. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Some of you are already ready to go right now because I'm talking about food. And right down the line from it, you got liver and onions. And Bobby Corley's on, okay, Buzzy too. And, and Wayne got their hands up. That, that's a small portion there of, of the crowd that just raised their hand about chicken fried steak. So if you walk in there and you see fried chicken, maybe even a little fried catfish, okay, and, and you, you see the chicken fried steak and all of a sudden you see that liver and onions, are you going to throw your plate down and just walk in? I cannot believe. I cannot believe that these people would have liver and onions on that buffet. No, you're going to get a plate full of chicken fried steak and whatever it is you like, all the fixings beside, and you are going to chow down. So why do we do it in church world? I can't believe he believes that one little thing different. I can't believe he puts such an emphasis on missions. I can't believe he, he believes that we ought to baptize by immersion. Amen. We let it happen every day. One little thing that is believed differently, and we throw down our plate, essentially, and walk away. There ought to be, I'll never forget. I hadn't been a believer very long, and there was a guy that I uh, worked with, and he had swapped off to work the shift that I was on. I worked afternoons, worked 3 to 11.30, and this guy worked day shift. And we had been friends, but he knew that I was a believer. I'd, I'd come to know the Lord. And so he says, hey, I'm going to be coming working your shift for a couple of months. He said, why don't we do a Bible study on our last break? I said, awesome. And so the first time we sat down, it was a very, very, very good thing. Second time, the second night, was when he started in. And he said, you all believe in divine healing, don't you? And I said, well, yes, we do. And he said, why? Because anybody that knows anything knows that when the last person the apostles laid hands on died, the age of miracles ceased. All right. You want to play it this way? <laughs> and so I said, well, I said, what do you do with all the scriptures? By stripes were healed. Well, that's spiritual only, not physical. Okay? Well, what about the fact that, that, you know, there's many, many references to physical healing. He just wasn't going to hear it. The age of miracles is over. And I said, okay. Because, see, he was actually a minister in a church. And if you heard me say minister in a church, you'll know what branch in the family tree that we're talking about. And so I, I said, Al, I said, let me ask you a question. I said, uh, you're branching our family tree, the minister, 
usually teaches the adult Sunday school class. Do you teach the adult Sunday school class? Yep, in the sanctuary, oh yes. And I said, then uh, somewhere down the line, Sunday school's over, and you sing a few hymns. Yep. And I said, then, right before you bring the, the, the message, I said, uh, you stand there and you pray for people, don't you? Yep. People that are sick. And he said, yeah. And I said, well, Al, I said, maybe you believe in divine healing too. Because <laughs> otherwise, why would you pray for him? If there was nothing that the Lord could do for him, and, and that proceeded for about two minutes of because he couldn't think of anything to say after that. See, here's the thing. We buy into this. We've been taught this. Maybe, we've, maybe this is what mom and daddy were, and we've been taught, and we never take time to look at what the Word says. And so what we do, and it's very, very plain in Mark's Gospel, it says that we can make the Word of God of no effect because of the traditions of men. I hate tradition. Amen? I wish sometimes there was absolutely no tradition in the church. And, and some of you say, well, I, I'm glad we don't have any traditions. Well, how many of you are sitting in the same seat that you sat in last week? And if I mixed all the chairs up, put them in a big circle, you'd be like, I cannot believe You'd be ready to throw your plate down because of the liver and onions because the preacher put the chairs in a circle instead of in rows. Amen? We've got enough tradition on our own. I cannot imagine how, how hog-tied a preacher must be in a church and, and some of the branches in our family tree that have such tradition that it cannot change even the least little bit. And they've got a bulletin that instead of just making announcements, they've got the times out there beside it. I wouldn't function well in one of those churches. Amen. Because it just don't work that way for me. So the thing that we got to realize is that's something that, that we have to fight, something that we have to come against, something that will tear us down and keep us from being united with one another. It will also keep us from being able to follow God's will because God, even though he's the same yesterday and today and forever, he is constantly changing. For the Israelites, whenever they would get that signal out in that wilderness that he was by the pillar of fire at night and the cloud during the day, and when that cloud began to move and they never knew what day it was going to be, they had to be ready to move. Pack it up. We're going somewhere. Where are we going? I don't know. Wherever the cloud stops. Amen? And the thing that we got to do is realize that the Holy Spirit is with us and constantly talking to us and communicating with us about where we're at, what we should do, people we ought to talk to. And if we get him so programmed that we don't have the latitude to say, I'm going to follow the voice of the Lord, then we're missing it. Amen? So we've, we've, got to, we've got to be unified with God. We've got to be unified with one another. And I've got to get back on my notes or we won't get through today. So we are, we got to minister as a team that together everyone accomplishes much. Number one reason why, it's a powerful testimony to this world. We're living in a day and a time when people have been let down. And they're looking for something and there's a lot of people that are, that are going to be and are looking at the church, maybe for the first time in their life, because government and politics have let them down. 
I told you, I told on, on Wednesday night back during the election season, I said, I think we have seen a, a, a revolution in politics. I think we have seen it change to where it will never, ever, ever in our lifetime, in our lifetimes anyway, be the same. This political race was so ugly, so nasty, so much mud throwing going on that I think a whole lot of people, myself included, got kind of really, really disenchanted with even keeping up with it. I don't know about any of the rest of you, but as soon as the election was over, I've kind of disconnected from the news. I don't want to hear that junk. I don't want to hear partisan politics. I think our government is another area where we need to we need to unify or we as a nation are headed for a civil war. Amen. We are greatly divided. We are more divided than than ever in my lifetime. And there are people that are very hostile toward one another simply because of their political alignment. They don't know that person. They've never sat down and talked to that person, but yet they'd be willing to take a brick and beat their head in because they're this party or that party. Amen? We, together, can accomplish much in putting this nation back together. Number one, by prayer, if no other way, we need to be praying for our nation. We need to pray that God will unify us as a nation to where we will be truly one nation under God. Instead of two nations split right down the middle. Amen? The world is looking at us. And God help us if we are not the witness that we need to be. If we are unified. If we can put aside differences. Again, it doesn't mean you're going to agree with me on everything. But if we can put aside differences and still love one another. That's a great testimony to this world. They've been let down by everything. They've been let down by government. They've been let down by social social mechanisms. Everything out there has let them down and they're looking for something. And we have the opportunity to let our light shine and make a difference out there in this darkness. Somebody say amen. If we can clarify our vision and let the world see us working together as a team, regardless, maybe even if we have differences, it's going to make a difference to them. Amen. Number two, ministering together brings glory to the Lord. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna, to, his whole heart is, and that whole statement in John is, Father, you can be glorified in the fact that, that they're unified, that I'm in them, you're in me, and let them be unified as you and I are unified. Let it bring glory to you, Father, is what he's praying. And so here's the thing. We have to realize that none of us can do it all. That we all require somebody else, as I've said many, many times during this series, even, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. So he wasn't the Lone Ranger. Amen? We all need one another. Because you can do things that I cannot. I can do things that you cannot. When we get together in the body of Christ, realize that we represent the fullness of God. Amen? We represent the hand of God and the feet of God and the voice of God. To this world that's looking for something. If we can get past all those things that would divide us. So teamwork satisfies the heart of God. If you see in Luke's gospel, there's a a picture of this. Because one of the things, and I've shared this with you before, so I'll make it very, very quick. One of the things that I was so in question about, when I finally came to the realization that God had called me to pastor a church. And as I was coming up to the date when I was going to assume the pastorate, my, my very first church, little bitty church. 
But the thing that, that, that it was almost to me kind of a terrifying thing to think about. Because God, what kind of church do you want your church to be? Because if we look at churches tend to be identified two different ways. They're a worship church. They're a word church. Or they are a civic church. And you've got churches that are very, very active civically. They get involved. They're down, downtown holding up posters and signs about abortion and all these kinds of things. And then you've got churches that are about the word and it's word, 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 word. You go in and they might have two songs at the beginning of it and the rest of it's two hours of word. And then you've got churches that are all about the worship. Worship, 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 worship. And you never really hear that much word. You don't believe me? Tell me what kind of, what kind of church Hillsong Church is. It's a worship church. You, I, I don't know that I've ever heard their pastor preach. But I've heard their songs. Amen? You remember back when uh, years ago when the Pensacola Revival happened? I mean, Lyndall Cooley, anybody ever recognize that name? He was the worship leader. It was a whole bunch about worship. Now, there was some word going on. But the thing is, I was praying. I said, God, what kind of church do you want your church to be? Realizing that I'm one segment, one little twig on a branch in our family tree. But God, what kind of church do you want us to be? Do you want us to be a, a, a worship church, a word church, a civic-minded church? What kind of church do you want us to be? And what God spoke to me, and at that time I thought it was about that specific church, but it was more to me about my ministry. And the Lord spoke this to me, to my heart, and he said, I want my church to be a church that cares. That cares about people, cares about civic things when it's time to jump up and, and, and down about it, that cares about the word, that cares about worship, that cares about ministering to God and ministering to people. Because otherwise, if you, if you hem yourself in and you pick one avenue, you can't get off that. It's kind of sometimes it's no turnoffs. You're that kind of church, and that's what you are because that's the kind of people you attract, and that's what, you know, it's just kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. But God spoke to me and said, I want my church to be one that cares about all that, about all those things. And, and, and so the thing that we've got to do is realize that it takes all of that and, and the perfect examples in Luke's gospel where you got Mary and Martha. And you got Martha that's in the kitchen and she's cooking and, you know, she's just giving it all she's got, sweating, and Mary's in the living room sitting at the feet of Jesus just soaking in the word. And Martha looks out there and she I cannot believe. I told her I needed help in the kitchen. And so she comes out there and she's going to get Jesus on her side. And she said, Jesus, would you tell Mary to get in here and help me cook the rest of this meal? Because I'm waiting on all you men. All the ladies said. And so Jesus said, she's picked a good thing. I always read it wrong. I always, I always kind of, you know how you can read something with your own perspective and it kind of comes out that way because that's the way you looked at it? I always read it as he was kind of scolding her. Oh, she's picked the best thing. But he says she picked a good thing. And, and through the years, I've come to understand that he wasn't necessarily scolding Martha because Martha knew how to wait on people. And he certainly wasn't scolding Mary because she knew how to wait on God. 
And it's when Mary and Martha can get in the same house and come into unity that God is going to work the very, very, very best. As I have said many, many times, if we can have the best thing going on, we can have revival. And if, if, if our bathrooms are dirty and we don't know how to greet people and, and, and everything's not right, then people aren't going to come. And we can have everything spick and span and everything and not have the presence of the Lord and people aren't going to come. It's whenever you get Mary and Martha in the same house and celebrate one another. Mary always tends to look down on Martha because she's not doing anything. Wait a minute, I had to put my Bible down. Spiritual. Okay? I've seen it happen in church world. The Marys who are always praying, always in the word, always getting a word from the Lord, and all these. Mary always tends to look down on Martha because all she's doing is cleaning. Amen. All she's doing is out there greeting people. And, Mar- and Martha's always mad at Mary because she won't help, help do all that stuff. The thing that we got to do is celebrate each other's gifts. Some of us have the gift of administration. Some of us have the gift of hospitality. Some of us have the, have the gift of praying and interceding for people. And it's part of our DNA and it's how we're made up. All those are Mary and Martha. And when Mary and Martha can get into the same building and celebrate one another, God will move. Somebody say amen. So figure out what you are. Are you a Mary or are you a Martha? And the men will have a hard time with that. Because <laughs> none of us are going to say, say, well, I'm a Mary. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, in your mind, figure out which one you are and celebrate that. Let everybody know what your gifts are. Let everybody know what your calling is and celebrate that and get together with a Mary. If you're a Martha, and if you're a Martha, get together with a Mary that you can agree with and guarantee you God's going to do some things through that relationship. Somebody say amen. Good grief. I don't know if I'm going to get done today. I I still got a couple of minutes. Angie, you're my timer. She said, step it up. <laughs> Teamwork multiplies our potential. As I've talked about, one put 1,000 to fly, two put 10,000 to fly to the enemy. When we team up, we make a difference. We've got po- the power of God in us, and it multiplies it whenever we join together with somebody. Teamwork makes us accountable. Jonathan David, one of the, one of the best relationships there ever was. Jonathan was actually King Saul's son, and David and he essentially were arch enemies because of Saul and his attitude. And Jonathan comes to David when he just when he senses that anointing that was on David's life and he knew that he was going to be the next king and he, and and they had a friendship. And Jonathan comes to him and he said, "David, tell me what you need and I'll do it." We ought to be willing to put everything aside, everything that could separate us and talk to people and say, whatever it is, I see you're doing something. I see you've got this ministry on your heart. What can I do to help you get it started? You're already doing this ministry. What can I do to be involved? I'm a Mary. Can I pray for it? I'm a Martha. Can I get my hands dirty? Amen? We ought to all have that attitude all the time and help one another instead of, instead of you know, Coach... Uh, what was his name? Bill McCartney, the one that used to do the promise keepers thing. One of the things that I remember that he said is, we've not come here to compete with one another. We have come here to complete 
one another. And so many times we get egos involved. And well, that's my ministry. Even though there's somebody that's more gifted, more talented, sometimes we need to be the one that steps aside and say, I see the gift in you. Why don't you come up here with me? All of us need to be on the lookout and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Be ready that when we see somebody that's gifted and talented and God's working in their lives, that we ought to be ready to say, come on up here. Help me out with this. And they ought to have the attitude, tell me what you need, and I'll do it. Amen? So the thing that we've got to do is be sensitive to that. Number three, ministering together uh, results in unity. Whenever we have one common cause, whenever we have one common issue, whenever we have one common thing that we're involved in, it unifies us. And one of, the, one of the prime examples of that is sometimes we think, well, I need to be the one that's doing this or that or the other. But you remember in the Old Testament, whenever the, the nation of Israel was coming in, going to take the promised land, and, and they were coming against an enemy. And the enemy was actually stronger than them. It was only the anointing of God that was letting them prevail. So Moses, they're losing, and Moses holds his hands up, and they start winning. Okay? Join me in doing this. Okay? Uh-oh. Some, some of you are already putting your hands down. Why? Because, man, my arms are getting tired. And so they, uh, they, they, the, the Israelites start winning. And so Moses is standing there. And we'll come back in about an hour and we'll finish this. Okay? And so what happens? Some, I see some hands already shaking because you got your hands stuck out there. And so... Moses gets tired. Whoo, boy, all the blood is rushed out of my arms. And they're, ooh, and they start losing again. Israel's taking a whooping. Wait a minute, got to get my hands back up. This goes on for a long time. So what happens? The Israelites began to figure this out. And here is Aaron and her that they say, we, we've got we've to take care of this. Rusty, come here. We're going to let, I always pick on Wayne because he's on the front row. But Wayne is Moses for just a half a second here. His arms are getting tired. So what am I going to do? What's Rusty going to do? Hey, when he lets his hands down, all of a sudden Israel's losing. What we got to do? We got to keep his hands up because <laughs> we don't want to take a whooping. So here we come alongside him and we lift his hands up. Now that doesn't seem very glamorous. And there are people who would say, well, if that's all it takes, I'll just do it. Okay? But Moses was the man. And sometimes... We need to see that somebody's got a ministry, somebody's doing something, and they need help. What we need to do is be willing to step to their side and say, here, let me have your hand. And I'm going to lift your hands up. I'm going to be your hand. I'm going to help you out. Instead of seeking the glory for themselves, instead of trying to be the man, instead of trying to jump in front of him, what we need to do is say, I see what's happening here. And I need to be a part of this. And yeah, it may not be glamorous, but it is a part of what God's doing. And when we work together as a team together, we accomplish much. Amen? So we got, we got to get that in our minds that we got to help one another. We didn't come to compete with one another. We came, came to complete one another. Somebody say amen. amen. Teamwork identifies uh, 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 possibilities and opportunities. Uh, whenever Israel's, they're coming into the promised land again, you got Joshua and Caleb. Those are two common names. Anybody named your kids that or know somebody in your family named Joshua or Caleb? Why? Because those guys were it. 
Amen. You look up those other guys, you ain't seeing nobody named after them. Amen. It's Joshua and Caleb. Why? Because they identified an opportunity. Everybody comes back and says, oh, truly this land is everything that God said it was. But there's giants. And I don't know what we could do against giants. Well, God had already told them, go in and spy the land out. What? That I'm going to give you. That should have kind of solidified it right there. It's just like when Jesus came to the, to the disciples that time and he said, come on, let's get in the boat and what? Go to the other side. They get halfway through. The storm comes up. Ah, Jesus, we're fixing to die. Did they not think he was capable of doing what he said? They'd already seen miracles. Why do we question God? Why do we doubt what he's saying to us? Listen to what he says exactly. We're gonna, I'm, go in and spy out the land that I'm going to give you. The other spies couldn't see it, but Joshua and Caleb said, let's go right now and take this for we are more than able through the Lord. Amen? So they outlived all their, all their constituent, all their, uh, their uh, what is it called, the people that were around them, their age group, and they got to go in and possess the land. They got an inheritance in the land because they were willing to identify the opportunities, willing to go out on a limb and say, hey, this is what God wants us to do. We're going to do it. And I'm about to wrap it up. This is the first close for those of you that are counting. The first closing right here. (laughs) Teamwork brings out the best in all of us. Proverbs says, as iron sharpens iron, so does a man sharpen man. When we're together, it brings accountability. It brings opportunities that we can see. But it also brings out the best in all of us. Because if we are by ourselves, if we are one, one person... By ourselves, we are not going to get better. The way you get better is you get around somebody that's better than you. If you're going to play basketball, we'll bring it back. It's March Madness, so we'll do every kind of basketball analogy we can during March Madness, Lisa said. (laughs) So if you're going to play basketball and you get out in your driveway and you're shooting hoops, and y'all, I've got a neighbor kid. I guess he's trying to make the team. That kid got his parents to buy him a basketball goal. I have yet... In months now to see that kid make a basket. Poor thing. He just had, I mean, I'm better than that. And I can't play basketball. I mean, this kid, every time we leave of a morning, he'll be out there dribbling and shooting. And every time we come home of an evening, he's out there dribbling and shooting. And I have yet to see him make a basket. Poor kid, no talent at all. So what does he need to do? He needs to get with somebody that's better at him, better than him, and play against them. Hey, it's, it is a given fact. If you want to do something, you get around somebody that can do it or do it better than you, and you're going to learn from them, and you're going to get better. As iron sharpens iron. Now, here's the thing. Anybody ever had a sharpening steel? Three people. Three people know what a, Anybody know what a sharpening steel is? Okay. You take that knife, and you put it on there at the right angle, and you run that thing back and forth, and guess what? You've got something. I mean, you can shave hair off your arm. Now, if you put it on there the wrong way, if this is my sharpness steel, and I just put that knife down there, and what happened? I just took the edge all off of it. You got to work together in the right way. You got you got to come at it at the right angle, and all of a sudden you can sharpen one another. You can help one another. You can benefit one another. One of you can do something the other one can, and vice versa. And all of a sudden you have become a team. One puts a thousand to flight. Two put ten thousand to fly to the enemy. There was a story that I read several years ago. 
And it was this couple, they, they lived in a big city in, 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 a, in an attached house, little bitty kind of run down. And the, the, there was, it was getting to be Christmas time, and they wanted a Christmas tree. Well, they knew this guy down the street, and he was, he was selling Christmas trees. Everybody, anybody ever been to a Christmas tree lot? You know, they got all the trees and everything. Well, they started looking at the front row, and they said, ooh, we can't afford this. So they slowly drifted all the way back to the back where they had some trees stacked up there that they were going to throw away. And there were two trees there that both of them had the side missing out of it. You ever seen a tree like that? You know, it's, it's just, you know, one side, maybe it was in the shadow. Maybe it was, maybe something happened to that side of it. A little short aside, my grandfather used to always go out and cut a real Christmas tree every year. And one year he goes out and cuts it and up there. We didn't really have pine trees that much had a lot of cedar trees so he gets this cedar tree brings it in we put the lights and this is back in the day when the lights were the big ones plugged that thing in about 15 20 minutes later what is that smell and a skunk had skunked that tree and it wouldn't smell didn't smell at all till you turned them lights on got that heat kind of coming up through it so we we had christmas we plugged it in for about five minutes while everybody opened gifts and unplugged that thing because it stunk i mean to high heaven just a little aside, a little interesting thing about Christmas trees. <laughs> Since it's Christmas and all. But this couple goes in, they know this guy because he lives just down the street from them and they know him and they said, have you got any trees that aren't really, really good because we've just got a few bucks. So they go out to the back of the lot, they find these two trees and, 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 and the lady kind of whispers to her husband and he says, uh, we got three bucks, would that be enough? And that guy says, take them, take them. We were probably not going to sell them anyway. So he's walking down the street a couple of days later, and he looks through the window of their house as they're coming out on the porch, and, and he looks in their front window, and here is this beautiful, beautiful, full tree. And he looks in, and he says, Oh, well, he said, I see somebody fixed you up with a better tree. And they said, No, that's the same tree. He said, What? He said, I, I sold you two scrawny, one-sided trees. What are you talking about? And they said, well, what we did was we cut all the limbs off of this side of this one and cut all the limbs off of this side of that one, and we put them together and took some cable ties, and we put them together, and that's where that big, fantastic tree came from. See, all of us are missing something. All of us are weak in some area. All of us are flawed somehow, some way. All of us have something that needs to be a little bit better. And you know what? Sometimes there's a person that is matching that exact opposite. The mirror image of us, they're strong in those areas where we're weak. They're good in that area where we have problems with. And you know what? When we get together, we can make something absolutely beautiful for God. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father as we have talked about through this whole series, it is whenever we realize our weaknesses, whenever we realize that we're lacking, whenever we realize that maybe we're a little bit short in some areas, God, that we can come together and we can complete that. Again, that, that phrase has so, just been ringing in my mind this, this week that we have not come here to compete with one another. We have come here to complete one another. And Father, it's only when we realize that we're weak if we think we can do it all, we'll never seek help. We'll never seek somebody else's uh, 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 person to come alongside us. But God, 
I'm admitting it right here, right now. We're weak. We, we're needy. And Father, we need you, but we also need one another. It's whenever we get together that together everyone accomplishes much. Help us to keep that in our mind as this year. You're, we're branching out in a lot of areas. We're testing the waters about where you want us. And we're, we've got the building for sale. We're praying, Lord, that you would just meet that need. You show us the right thing to do. If it is that we stay here, then that's fine. If it'd be better for us to move somewhere else, then, Lord, so be it. But we're just seeking you, seeking your help. And, Lord, would you just draw us together? closer than ever before. I I think we've got a good fellowship here. But God, would you bind us together with cords of love that could not be broken? Would you help us to see the strengths in one another and not the weaknesses? Would you help us to, to just encourage one another in everything that we do? And Lord, would you help us to see our own gifts and our own calling in a way that we might benefit the body? And so Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for the great things you're going to do in us and through us and for us. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Once again, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope it enriches your walk with Christ. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe to receive all of Pastor Philip's messages. Also, if you get the chance, please join us for our church services Sunday at 1030 and Wednesdays at 630. We'll see you next week.